You're listening to the Big Film Buffet and we're coming at you with the snack edition. I am Alexi Toliopoulos and joining me as always is Jen Fricker. Hello, g'day. I know that we're talking about a very special passion of yours, a corner of the cinematic tradition that I feel like you gun for harder than anyone else. Uh, Yes, I root for them big time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I've been scouring Netflix recently and it has warmed my very chilly cockles to see what a wonderful influx Netflix has had of like classic Australian films Mm -hmm. and more than just classic Australian films, hidden gems of Australian cinema. Okay. Because I think we have a great filmic history here in Australia. I mean, we made the very first feature-length film here in Australia in around 1906. It's not a real release date because it kind of came out in a roadshow format. Mm -hmm. The film, The Story of the Kelly Gang, which was the first feature-length, full-length film that, of course, told the story of Ned Kelly and his gang. And since then, I think people have not held that tradition, like knowing that Australia was groundbreaking at one point when it came to film and then the stuff that's kind of on Netflix at the moment is I think another point in history where Australia had this very powerful new wave of interesting storytelling there's a lot of films from like that 90s to early 2000s period kind of coming out on Netflix now and I hope they find a second life on the platform because these are films I think really pushed the boundary of what film was doing and were kind of a precursor to, I guess, American indie movements of the 2000s. I think Australia was doing stuff that America wanted to do, but like a full decade ahead of them. Really? Yeah. Like what? What would you kind of make a comparison between? Well, I would say that when you think of like American indies of the 2000s, it's kind of the stuff like comedy dramas that dramedy movement of that time really little miss sunshine is the pinnacle of that like great road movie lots of heart but lots of laughs as well but very sweet and tender i think australia was doing that blend of comedy and drama so well in that 1990s period Mm -hmm. there's a film that is very little known. I didn't know about it until I was at film school and they screened it. And I end up like writing a full essay about it because I did feel like this feels like a precursor to everything, a premonition. It's this movie called Love Serenade by filmmaker Shirley Barrett. Kind of quirky comedy drama set in a rural town in Australia. And at the heart of the film are two sisters, one of them played by the amazing Miranda Otto mm-hmm. from Lord of the Rings and so many other great films and TV series. And her sister, who are living in this small town, one of them works at a Chinese restaurant, the only restaurant in this town. And then this DJ comes in to work at the radio station, this older man, and it kind of starts... Uh, love triangle between them but beyond that this film has so many quirks including like this air of magic realism around it that is so unexpected and just ever so slightly surreal that I think that it's a truly one of the real hidden gems of Australian cinema so I think it's so marvelously directed the performances are just so beautiful and it just strikes this tone that I feel kind of you didn't really see again until something like Juno Mm. where it feels so specific and such like this created slice of life from a world not seen before. 
You're selling it to me. Oh, I'm so glad I am. I need everyone to see Love Serenade. Yeah. And is that on Netflix? That's on Netflix right now. I had to buy like a really dodgy DVD copy. Mm. And now it's just on high definition to watch on Netflix. That's crazy. Like it blows my mind. So if this film is so great, and that sounds way more accusatory than I would <laughs> if it's so great, Alexi. But like, why do you think people have forgotten about this film or missed this film? I think it's part of that feeling of something coming before the world's ready for it. Because mm. it is so specific. It is this little oddity of a film that people maybe hadn't seen anything quite like it before. And, you know, with Australian films, how much marketing can they really get behind them where they can just last forever in their, like, public consciousness? Mm. There's, like, you know, The Castle has done that. And then, you know, something like Wake in Fright has been able to do that to a lesser extent. Mm. But I think that it's harder for a film from Australia to really break through and then have an everlasting place in the canon. You mentioned Juno and like that kind of parallel between love serenades and Mm. the specificity of it. Why do you think Australian cinema was doing that before it really became popularized worldwide. Yeah, I, it's that kind of Sundancey vibe, they would say, mm. which is like independent, quirky cinema. I really do think that it's part of like this Australian language, like this Australiana. We would like to think of ourselves in Australia, and I think we broadly do have like a national identity of being very funny people, mm. people that have like a positive spin on life to kind of like find that silver lining to bring humor to things. That great Australian larrikinism, if you will, where we kind of like celebrate the idea of, you know, the working class, blue collar, but also it's about like bringing this type of humor to dark spots. To to seriousness like you know one of my favorite Australian movies is a movie Muriel's Wedding which I think hits this so well and if you read the plot to that film which is like a sad woman her sad mum dies she gets into a sad fake marriage but we revere it as like one of the great comedies in this country totally yeah it's so dark yeah it's like one of the darkest (laughs) movies it's so sad but because it's got like this big bursting heart full of like charm sweetness and emotion which is all about like finding the positivity in life and spinning it with humor. I think that's something that feels very uniquely Australian that then kind of found an identity overseas later on, possibly inspired by those big movies like Mural's Wedding and The Castle and stuff. I know that for a lot of people, especially Australians, they might not be that familiar or into Australian cinema. Why do you reckon people don't get around it as much when it comes from our own backyard? Yeah, I think you're hitting on something really like Persient, which is like that idea of cultural cringe by like, you know, comparing what Australian's filmic output is to other international cinemas, namely Hollywood cinema. And because Australian film largely is independent cinema, no matter how much backing they have, it still is the backing of like a big independent film at any other part of the world. 
Baz Luhrmann is the one exclusion, I would say, to mm. that. But I think that there's something that Australians have, like this self-cultural cringe, this kind of cringy reflection on themselves where they don't like to see their worlds always reflected. Totally. Or that feeling of like, do we match up? Do we compare to other things? It's definitely something I've noticed with music, that mm. people are often really resistant to music where you can hear someone's Australian accent in it. Yeah. and like, But then on the flip side, when you hear Australian artists with American accents or British accents you're like what is this mm. <laughs> do you think like it's one of those things as well because we are so uncomfortable seeing ourselves on the screen that we have to like kind of wait for like America to pick up on it first before we get on board yeah I think that's right like movies like Animal Kingdom that have a big breakthrough moment overseas where our actors like Jackie Weaver get Oscar nominations and then Ben Mendelsohn gets to be in Star Wars and Marvel movies Mm. I think that once that happens we feel like this patriotism this national pride for those films that you maybe don't get if they're just like a homegrown hit Totally. It's almost like we go like tall poppy syndrome where we're like, who do you think you are Mm -hmm. making a movie? And then once it crosses a certain threshold, we're like, that's Australia's Miranda Otto there. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're spot on. Mm. But it's not the only one up there. There's a great glut of Aussie films on there right now. One of them I'd love to give a shout out to is Sweet Country by Warwick Thornton. You always talk about this movie. Oh, my Lord. This is so special to me, this movie. It's a great Aussie Western set just after World War One, and it has so many environments that I'd never seen before in any film ever. Like there's this salt flats that they go to. It felt like a science fiction environment I had never seen before and it's in my own country. Mm. And Warwick Thornton's a fantastic Indigenous filmmaker who also made Samson and Delilah. And he has such like a singular, like very relevant voice. But the reason I want to bring it up is because actually in Sweet Country, they go to a screen in a small town of the aforementioned first feature film in history, the story of the Kelly Gang. Right, so it's like a period film made today, like that features a film made like over 100 years ago. Yeah, it's like this kind of metatextual feeling of film history just coming right at you. Yeah, right. Okay, what else should we, we be watching? Well, a movie that you and I have talked about a few times... Two Hands. Yeah. Heath Ledger, Rose Byrne, gangster movie set in King's Cross. Oh, so good. I also feel like movies like set in Sydney don't really yeah. exist anymore. Yeah. Like I think Sydney's so often used as like a blank canvas, like a general city. For like big Hollywood movies that film here. Totally. So it is really nice to watch movies that are like very firmly set in a very specific time and place absolutely and when you watch two hands isn't there that sadness that powerful sad nostalgia Mm. for just what sydney used to be like oh totally now it's all yoga studios yeah i miss that grubby stuff yeah i do miss the grubby stuff that i never had to live through because i was too young (laughs) i was on just the edge of it i worked at a video store very briefly in the cross Mm. and yes there was troubled times there but also david wenham susie Porter used to come into the shop and I'd fanboy over them. I had to pretend they were just some regular ass customer, but little did they know, I knew they were a star. Well, David Wenham and Susie Porter, if you're listening, which I assume of course you are, (laughs) little creepy Alexi knew exactly who you were the whole time. And yes, I didn't use anything with your information that came up on the computer. Don't worry, (laughs) I didn't do anything weird to it. Another one of my real top 
favorite films of all time, Alex Dimitriades in Anna Kokinos's film Head On, which is about a young gay Greek boy coming to terms with his sexuality. I love Alex Dimitriades. I could talk about him forever. And we have talked about him before. Oh, I mean, boy. famously, Lexi goes to his sister's butchery. Yes, he was <laughs> the butcher. You might have heard of the snack episode a few weeks ago. Yeah, and also he DJs around town. Oh, that's right. He's DJ Boogie Monster. Boogie Monster the DJ. <laughs> I think there's one film that I find myself going back to a lot. I remember watching it in the movies at the time, which I was like way too young for. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it's one that I think kind of really represents like, you know, I love comedy, obviously, Mm -hmm. and Australian comedy, like that Australian sensibility is Cracker Jack. It's on Netflix at the moment. Yeah. And it's got Mick Malloy, who people know from like a very extensive Korean radio. Mm -hmm. And also Judith Lucy. Like she's the romantic comedic lead in that. Oh, I love. Judith Lucy in a romantic comedy set around bowls. Lawn bowls, yeah. Could and you get like a, more Australian? And there's like a lot of generational humour. It's oh, a yeah. stoner comedy. Again, something I completely missed at the time. But I just love Judith Lucy. She doesn't get enough credit. She's Judith one of the all times, dude. Judith Lucy. I'm oh. trying to do her voice. Hello, it's me, Judith Lucy. Oh. And I absolutely love red wine. <laughs> I love red wine she's and I so smoke redundant. cigarettes. <laughs> I just remember there's like a line in Craig Chan. She's like, one more of these and I'll be anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a good Judith Lucy? That's a good Judith Lucy. Oh. Oh, it's me, Judith. It's me, Judith Lucy. Oh, hi, Rose. It's me, Judith. 